Pastor Chris's podcast. Today we're pleased to welcome as our guest speaker, Reverend Calvin Haney. Reverend Haney served as a senior pastor of Pleasant Grove from 1994 to 2004. During that time, Pleasant Grove saw many, many lives positively impacted. I know that uh, as I'm out in the community talking with people or visiting in schools, I often hear people remember Calvin and and remember fondly how he had made a, a difference in our community and it and it speaks volumes I think that after um, gosh it has been 16 years since he uh, served here people still remember him and I think that speaks volumes. Um, Calvin grew up in Buford Georgia graduated from North Gwinnett High School attended Reinhardt College and Huntington College and then Emory University. Reverend Haney officially retired from the United Methodist Church in August of this year at our annual conference, which was virtual this year. However, I believe that he actually, uh, for all practical purposes, retired a few more months before that. Something about the United Methodist Church, when, when a pastor decides they want to retire, the, the annual conference actually has to approve it which is kind of an interesting thing. I always wondered what would happen if we didn't approve someone retiring. Would they have to continue? Because they're going to say, look, I'm done. You can approve it or not approve it, but I'm done. But he has been retired now for a few months after serving at Winder First United Methodist Church. Please welcome Calvin Haney as he comes to share God's word with us today. Well, good morning, Pleasant Grove. It is so good to be back here. For those of you who are worshiping with us online, I uh, know that many of you wish that you could be here with us as well. I wish that you were here because I love seeing all of you who I had the opportunity to work with and to serve with when I was here previously. But we know that because of COVID that you're unable or feel uh, safer to remain at home and so those of you who may be joining us electronically, thank you for joining us and for worshiping with us today. I appreciate the opportunity always of, of uh, coming back and to be a part of places that I have served. And I'm going to say a little bit more about that in a few moments. Uh, one of the things about coming back is, is that uh, a lot of the adults I recognize, but many of our Youth and young people, I don't recognize they, they have changed so much. Uh, and uh, since you weren't at the early service, I'm re- some of you were, but not many of you. I'll repeat some of the things that I said, but again, uh, it's good to be back. Um, when I, I arrived this morning, uh, Tiffany was in here rehearsing for the song that she sang during the offertory. And... Um, I asked Tom, I said, Tom, who's the young lady singing? And he says, that's Tiffany. She was Crawford, David's daughter. And uh, I uh, uh, could hardly believe it. And he said, you were here when she was born, weren't you? And I said, I was. I was at the hospital when she was born. Uh, Amy went into labor early. She uh, uh, gave birth to her prematurely. And I was there when they whisked her by. I got just a glimpse of her as they whisk her from the delivery room uh, to the neonatal 
care unit. And uh, you could hold that child in your hand. Uh, she weighed just over two pounds. Uh, that's kind of miraculous to me that a child could survive at that young. But that's uh, how we can be thankful for uh, uh, our medical science it continues to improve uh, because years earlier she m may not have made it, and uh, we're delighted she did. She turned into, has turned into such a beautiful, talented young lady, has she not? And we appreciate again her singing for us. I'm so glad that she looks like her mama and not her daddy. And uh, so, uh, but we appreciate Tiffany singing for us this morning. And then there's those who of whom I would love to see and expect to be here, who are no longer with us. But we're celebrating them today because they have gone home, and that's a part of the reason and what brings us together this morning. But thank you for joining us. Whether you join us from online or if you're here in person, thank you so much for being here. I'm going to read two passages of Scripture to us this morning as we... Um, begin our time and begin to think together. The first is from Psalm 95. I'm going to read verses 1 through 7. And then I'm going to turn over and read from us from the book of Revelations, uh, chapter 21, verses 1 through 7. Yes, I know that a lot of scriptures have more than seven verses per chapter. It uh, just happens that I wanted to read <laughs> from the Psalms, and it's 1 through 7, and the 21st chapter of Revelation, 1 through 7. So here now the reading of God's Word as it is recorded here in these scriptures. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into His presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to Him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. In His hands are the depths of the earth, the heights of the mountains are also His. The sea is His, for He made it, and the dry land which His hands have formed. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Oh, that today you would listen to His voice. Do not harden your hearts. Listen to His voice. And then reading to you from the, the 21st chapter of Revelation. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them, and they will be His peoples, and God Himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. 
Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water as a gift from the springs of the water of life. Those who conquer will inherit these things, and I'll be their God, and they will be my people. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. When Chris called and asked if I would preach this homecoming service, uh, and he gave me the date and said it was November the 1st. And I said, oh, y'all having homecoming a little bit later this year. He says, yes, and it has nothing to do with COVID. We decided, made this decision before COVID, that this year we were going to tie in homecoming and All Saints Sunday together. I thought, well, that's an interesting. And he says, um, well, you know, you're coming home, and then it's about going home. And again, an interesting concept. And so I said, sure, I'd love to come back and, uh, and preach for you. I was a little bit nervous in doing so. It's almost like I'm starting over again. Uh, I've been out of the pulpit now for several months, and it uh, begins to get a little rusty uh, when you don't have that every week presence in the pulpit. And so, but I uh, agreed to come, and, uh, and, but I uh, began to realize now, it's homecoming, and it's All Saints Day. So I appreciate so much that the invitation was extended to me to come and to preach and to share God's Word this morning. But I also was challenged in how I'm going to bring the two together, homecoming and All Saints Day. Well, when these kinds of things happen to me, uh, and happens to me quite often, I suppose, but when these kind of things all happen, when I'm challenged, I often take a step backwards, I take a deep breath, and I pray, Lord, this well is deep, and I have little from which to draw. Give me a word from you for them that I may share your love and your good news with your people. After praying that prayer and just letting it kind of rest and settle in with me a little while, I was led to two passages of Scripture, the Psalms, Psalms 95 that I read from, to you a few moments ago, and then the 21st chapter of the book of Revelation. And so I began then thinking about how I would tie all of this in. I remember, recall that when I was pastor here, that one of the other former pastors returned, and uh, he's gone on to his reward now, uh, and has finished his course on earth. But um, one of your former pastors, uh, one of the former pastors of Pleasant Grove, Dean Head, had returned for Dr. Eddie Marlowe's funeral. Used to, after a funeral service was over, people would leave the church or the chapel of the funeral home, and Everyone would possess out to the cemetery for the graveside service. 
number of years ago, that began to change uh, uh, quite a bit, and people will come to the service, but usually the family and maybe just some, a few of really close friends would go on to the cemetery. Well, Dean and his wife, Benny Jean, had uh, gone on to the cemetery. We were walking back to our car after we'd finished the service here and then finished the graveside service at the cemetery where Eddie was laid to rest. We were started back to our car, and Dean said to me, Calvin, I think that once you come, when you come to the end of your ministry, you're going to look back on your time here at Pleasant Grove, and you're going to find that Pleasant Grove was probably one of your best appointments. That it's probably one of your most enjoyable appointments. You know what? Dean was exactly right. Pleasant Grove was and is one of my favorite appointments. I enjoyed 10 years here, the longest that I have lived anywhere other since I left home. In my adult life, I spent more time, 10 years here in this community, than I did anywhere else. So to come back to Pleasant Grove certainly feels like coming home to me. I served here longer than any other pastor in the history of this church until Chris came along. Chris has now broken my record. He's in his 11th year, I think I'm correct, 11th year, and I only had the opportunity to serve 10. I think Chris has learned what I learned and what I know. It's pretty pleasant at Pleasant Grove. You won't find anyone else any caring and any more giving than the people here. So it certainly is like coming home to me when I come back to Pleasant Grove. So as we come together to worship on this homecoming Sunday, and as I think about the ten years that I spent, when I think about home and all that we did together, I realize again, what a great place it was to serve for those 10 years, 1994 to 2004. I think about the times in which we worked side by side. Sometimes it may have been doing something for our church uh, facility. You uh, completely renovated the sanctuary and other parts of the building uh, during my time here, and it uh, still looks lovely and beautiful. And, um, and so... I was here and had the opportunity to do that. But we did other things uh, as we worked together. Jack Brooker was in the early service. Jack is 91 now. He still looks like he said me five like he did when I uh, left here. But we were uh, doing some work in, on the lawn and uh, making it look uh, presentable and, uh, to all the hundreds of thousands of cars that passed by on Cleveland Highway each day. And at the time, there were some trees that lined the side of the gymnasium. And uh, the tree roots were beginning to get down under and cause damage to the foundation there, so they've now been removed. But we decided to cut them way back, and then they later on decided to take them completely down. We were having one of the work days, and I came up, and I had a ladder and a chainsaw. I was going uh, to top those trees and take them down some. And, and uh, so I... Uh, cranked the chainsaw, and 
I start toward the ladder, and Jack comes over and takes the, starts pulling on my chainsaw. You know, it's not very safe to have a tug of war with a chainsaw that's running. And so, uh, and Jack says, nope, I'm oldest one out here. And he says, uh, if anybody gets hurt, it needs to be me. I've lived most of my life. Now, that's the kind of folks, you know, we have around here. Uh, fortunately, he did not get hurt, but boy, he just went to work at 74, 75 years. I don't know how old he was at the time, but in his 70s. Uh, went to work whacking away uh, at those trees. And, uh, and then we trimmed the hedges and a lot of We worked together doing that kind of thing. We were family. Reminded me of growing up at home. We had chores when I was growing up. I kept my youngest grandson uh, some during the summer. Uh, my, my youngest one, my oldest grandson during the summer, be six years old. And uh, I had some chores to do. And so Brandon comes and picks him up. And he said, well, Huck, what would y'all do today? And he said, well, me and Pop, Pop cut limbs and I drug limbs. And he started telling Brandon laughed. And he said, yep, Pop's going to have him working. And uh, I said, yep, we don't sit around at my house too much. So um, uh, we worked as family uh, growing up. Uh, Brandon had chores to do. And I had chores to do when I was growing up, when I was here. We worked together doing chores. We worked together in missions and ministry. Love to see what you're doing about the jacket and the, the shoe boxes. Uh, I've done those in a number of churches that I've served in. And, and you continue to reach out and not only to touch the lives in this community, but the lives across the world. Thank you for what you do in ministry. And I, I enjoyed the times that we um, um, were in ministry together, uh, serving food at, uh, at the uh, food um, at the upper room downtown and uh, so many other things and ministries that we were able to do. And so I enjoyed those times of, of working with you and, um, and being in ministry with you. But then the other thing that I think about is our times of worship. Oh, we had some great worship experiences here. The choir always did a, a great job being behind me, always inspired me, helped me to be ready for our time of worship, and it um, takes me back again uh, to think together about all that, um, uh, all that we did. Uh, some of those worship experiences were those things uh, that we did to, to share life together. Again, uh, you allowed me to be with you in your tender moments of life. I was with you, as I said a few moments ago, when children came into uh, this world. Uh, then the opportunity to baptize so many of those children that now are adults and, uh, and uh, having children their own. Uh, and uh, then, you know, we had the Christmas services, the Easter services, uh, just other services throughout the years. And yes, I was with you during those tender moments of life, those moments when you were saying goodbye to a loved one as we celebrated their lives together and sent them on to be with God in their home going. Worship experiences were always important. And so I like what the psalmist said that I read to you a few moments ago, and let's hear some of those words again. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. 
my heart is full this morning as I think about the times of worship that we enjoyed here together, about the times in which we praise God. It says praise God in song. Now, Tom was choir director and, and led the music and still does, and, uh, and David uh, has uh, done the choir, and neither one of them would ever let me sing, though I asked them to sing, let me sing in the choir, and they wouldn't let me. I said, well, the Bible says make a joyful noise. And they said, well, what I make is not joyful. You believe they'd say that? But anyway, no, they would never let me sing. Good reason, I guess. But my heart's full as we think about the times that we've made joyful noises here. And as we praise God, the King above all, here in this lovely sanctuary. Uh, I uh, think about you all often. And so to come here today is a homecoming for me. My siblings and I uh, still meet at my mom's for Christmas each year. Um, when our children were younger, um, we'd have a, they'd all be around. Uh, but you know how that goes now that my, my children and my nieces and nephews, for the most part, are married. How they have their own family. And so uh, sometimes uh, that interferes. You don't always get to be with everyone. It's hard to get around during Christmas time to spend time with those that you really want to. You do it at different times, but my siblings and I have always gotten together at my mom and dad's uh, on, on going back there for, on, Christmas Eve, Eve, on Christmas Day evening. And we'd have our evening meal together and, uh, and uh, do a few things and just enjoy being together. Uh, again, the kids don't, grandkids, my mom's grandkids don't all make it. Our, my children uh, uh, Brenda don't normally make it, Mandy normally does, because of the way their families work out. And I understand that. But in 2008, we gathered around, we were just getting ready for the evening Christmas meal. And um, my dad said, um, before I do the blessing, I want to say something. Well, now that was a little unusual for my dad to say before I do the blessing. It's not that he couldn't and he didn't from time to time. But as many of you know, because he preached when I was here, my, um, I have a brother that's a United Methodist pastor as well. And then I uh, have a sister who is married to a retired Baptist pastor. We still pray for him and we encourage him along. But uh, my sister has a, is married to a Baptist pastor. So with three preachers in the family, they always figured that we, one of us ought to be able to do the prayer for the meals. And uh, that's the way it usually is wherever, wherever I am. Um, in one church I was in, one of the guys got to call me the DP, the designated prayer. Um, and uh, and so uh, somehow or other we preachers often become the designated prayer. But this time Daddy decided he would do the prayers. 2008. And uh, so Daddy said, before I say the blessing, I want to say something. And he said to us, he said... He said to us, he said, you know, I'm 88 now, not getting any younger, and he says, my body is growing weaker. And he said, I want you to know that if you're not, if I'm not here next year, it'll be okay. I will have just gone home. He wanted to say that to his family. If I'm not here, It'll be okay. I will have just gone home. Well, that kind of took us all aback a little bit. 
And uh, everybody was kind of quiet, and I'm the Peter of our family, you know. Peter always was one always speaking up when Jesus would say something or whatever. He was always Peter having something to say. And so I said, Dad, you don't know that. I may be the one that's not here next year. We don't know. And so that kind of eased the things and kind of got us back together again. And uh, we can finished our evening. Well, Dad did make it to the next Christmas and the next Christmas. He made it two more Christmases after he said that to us. Almost made it three Christmases. Uh, but he died on December the 17th, just before Christmas, December the 17th. 2011. And you know what? When we gathered that Christmas day evening, Dad was not there with us in person, but he'd already told us it's going to be okay. I've just gone home. And so we come together this morning to celebrate homecoming and homegoing. Dad had just gone home. So today, we celebrate here at Pleasant Grove. We celebrate homecoming. We celebrate home going. Today, we remember those saints that have gone on before us, especially those saints that have died during this past year. Today, we remember all the saints as they are referred to in the 12th chapter of Hebrews, that great cloud of witnesses, those that have gone on before us, those who have shared their witness and their life and their faith with us as they have gone now to be with the Lord. In the United Methodist Church and any, many other mainline churches, that part of the service that we had a few moments ago is often called the reading or the names of the dead. But a lot of people don't like that, naming the dead. They don't like, we don't like the word dead or death. We will do all things to avoid those two words. The reason, perhaps, is that somehow or other, we think that there's something final about death. So what do we do? We say, well, she passed away last night. Or, he's gone to be with the Lord. We try to not say, she died or he died last night. We use other terms, trying to avoid that word. Why is that? Again, we think it's something so final. And we'll say something else about that in a few moments, or I will. But um, just remember, why do we try to avoid the word death? As we think about the, all the saints this morning who've gone before us, we look to the book of Revelation. I doubt that there's any book of the Bible that is more not understood than the book of Revelation. Revelation has a bunch of symbols, signs and symbols in it, Signs and symbols that we just can't quite get through. We don't understand it all. There have been those who have tried to help us to understand it and have written books about it. When I was a young man and a young Christian, there was a man that wrote a book 
about the end times, a, a book that a lot of people were buying. I kept the book on my shelf. I had a copy. I bought it when I was a young man, a young Christian. It had just come out. It was written by Hal Lindsey. It was entitled, The Late Great Planet Earth. Some of you may remember that book. Some of you may have read the book. In that book, uh, well, I'll back up just a second. Uh, that book, I kept, I kept it on myself for quite a while. In that book, Lindsay says, uh, uses the word antichrist. Antichrist is not used in the book of Revelation. It is used in the Bible, but not in the book of Revelation. It's used in 1 John chapter 2, verse 8 and verse 22. And then John uses it again in chapter 4, verse 3. Lindsay also spoke of the rapture. Again, not a word that's used in the book of Revelation. It is referred to, however, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 19. Lindsay believed that there were references throughout the book of Revelation to Russia. However, he could never figure out, quite figure out, where the United States fit in. In the end, Lindsay predicted that the world would come to an end in 1988. He was wrong. After 1988, I was moving and I was taking the books off of my shelf. I moved in 1990 to another appointment. Taking the books off my shelf and I thought, I don't need this book any longer. He was wrong. And so I threw away the late great planet Earth. And then, some years later, two men, Tim LaHaye and Jerry Jenkins, began writing the series of Left Behind, in which they dealt with the book of Revelation in novel form. Some of you read those books. You may have read all six of, 16 of them. Uh, they wrote from 1995 to 2007. And uh, so I was here during a uh, portion of that time, and I know that some of you were reading them then. I never read the first one, never picked up the first one that I know of. But I know that they tried to explain uh, the book of Revelation and took them 16 books to, to do so, 16 novels. And... Uh, they were dealing with eschatology. That is, what is to happen when the world comes to an end in human history? That's something that people are still interested in. It didn't come to me personally. It was one of those things that you get in the mail that says resident. So you may have gotten a copy of this book. I got a copy of this book just this week. This little magazine. America in Bible Prophecy. The future of Earth's last superpower revealed. So they go tell you about the last Earth superpower all being revealed in biblical prophecy. People are still trying to figure out when Jesus is coming again. When did Jesus tell us he'd come again?
He says, we don't know. Only the Father. But yet you still have those who try to figure out when He may come again. To be sure, Revelation is filled with signs and symbols. It's apocalyptic literature, as is the second half of the book of Daniel in the Old Testament. The Gospels deal with the apocalypse some, and, uh, and they continue to try to prophesy, forecasting the ultimate destiny of the world. The people to whom it was originally written, that the book of Revelation was originally written, they were undergoing persecution. They understood some of the signs and the symbols that John was talking about. But we don't understand all about Revelation. But I believe that if we will not get too bogged down in trying to figure out all the signs and the symbols, and if we won't get too bogged down in trying to determine when Jesus will come again, I believe that we can have and read things in the book of Revelation that inspire us and that will encourage us in our faith because that's what John was trying to do to those early Christians that were being persecuted was to inspire them and to encourage them in their faith. And so John writes again, just a portion of what I read to you a moment ago from Revelation, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be His people and God Himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more, for the first things have passed away. Did you hear that? Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. The Apostle Paul asked in the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians, he said, But thanks be to God, who gives us victory through Jesus Christ. Oh, victory is in, our victory is in Christ, who raised God from the dead, that we too may have eternal life. It is my prayer that anyone listening, either electronically or here in person, that has not experienced the love and the peace that Christ gives. He's given to us that promise that we have a place where there be no more tears, where death will be no more. We will be God's people. God will be with us. Oh, what a great promise we have. Why is it that we're afraid to talk about death? Death is not the end. Death of this body is only the beginning. To be absent from the body, Paul says, is to be present with the Lord. And so I hope that you've made that kind of peace and that you've accepted the love of Christ. If not, I would encourage you to do so. In the 60s and 70s, there's a Baptist evangelist that had 
gone and felt the call of God to, to become a preacher. He'd gone to the Baptist Theological Seminary of New Orleans. And uh, while he was in seminary, one of the professors said that to the class that wherever there's a pocket of sin, there's a mission field. And the first person to it is a missionary. So Bob Harrington decided that I'm here in New Orleans and I can't think of any greater pocket of sin than the French Quarter of New Orleans. So he went down and he opened up. He opened him a little office and uh, started working out of there and started talking to the people up and down the streets of Bourbon Street in New Orleans. At the time, the, the mayor of New Orleans named him the chaplain of Bourbon Street. And uh, he was no more by, by being the chaplain of Bourbon Street than he was Bob Harrington. But... Um, Bob started doing crusades, and I had the opportunity to, to listen to him and to, to be at a couple of his crusades and, and hear him preach back when he was doing crusades and, uh, and before his death. Uh, he died just a couple years ago. Uh, but um, uh, he had a, a saying that he liked at the time, and uh, he said that when he died, uh, this is what he wanted written on his tombstone. Bob Harrington, born... September the 2nd, 1927. Born again, April the 15th, 1958. Died? He didn't. Transferred. I like that. Didn't die, transferred. He had been transferred. He was going to be, would have been transferred to heaven. That's what happens to us. That's what happened to these saints. They've been transferred from the church militant to the church triumphant. And that's what will happen to us. When we breathe our last here on earth, we will only have been transferred. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen.